Welcome in. Ha! Ah, it's game week. Colts fans, we made it. We're here. There is a game this week. I started this podcast back in February, the dead of winter. Now we have journeyed through the trade rumors and transactions, one that slapped initial sadness of what could have been, and another that brought a new quarterback to town, and another to repair the offensive line. From there, we consumed every ounce of the NFL draft, then winked at a brief offseason workout, then another break, then training camp, preseason, COVID list, broken feet, backup quarterbacks, countless thoughtful predictions, and now here we are, finally ready to see our team take on the Seattle Seahawks Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium. We've made it. Colts fans, you are listening to the Blue Notes podcast, which is a presentation of Indianapolis Colts stories and notes. I'm your host, Benjamin Taylor. I'm so excited to talk about an actual regular season game, and in this week's episode, we'll do just that. Stay with me. All right, let's get right down to business. This week, I want to focus on keys to win the game. Before we do that, I have to admit, in episode number 20, I predicted wins and losses for the first half of the season, and in that episode, I predicted the Colts would open up with a loss at home to the Seahawks. As of right now, the recording of this episode, I'm going to stick with that prediction, but not because I don't think the Colts can win. I absolutely think they can. I'm a fan first. Although I try to be objective, I believe the Colts can compete. Are you hearing me? for a Super Bowl this year. I do. In the AFC, I would put the Chiefs and the Bills at the top, then maybe the Ravens and Browns, but I think the Colts are in that second tier, and given recent injuries for the Ravens, they keep coming actually, I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled back a bit. The Patriots and Steelers are probably a little better than last year, but that's about it. The Colts can compete with any of these teams, I believe that. Nevertheless, I had to consider the fact that the Colts are traditionally slow starters. They have a new quarterback who, to be honest, was not good last year. They have a new cornerbacks coach, offensive coordinator, and offensive line coach. Their quarterback and best offensive lineman missed most of training camp with the same injury, coincidentally. The new left tackle is recovering from an Achilles tear. I'm just leaning where the evidence is pushing me. This is going to be a tough opener, but the Colts can win. And here's how they do it. I've got three keys to victory. Truthfully, the Colts probably need to do 20 things perfectly to win this game, but no one gives 20 keys to victory. Nobody does that. So there are three, and here are mine. Number one, compress the pocket. Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson is as good as it gets, and I think he's consistently underrated. He can throw downfield, he can run, he's a good leader. Russell Wilson does everything well. He's especially successful when he leaks out of the pocket, buys time, avoids the pass rusher, then pirouettes into a blank space before pushing the ball downfield to an open DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. It's impossible to stop, really. When that happens, it crushes the defense in two ways. Wilson has broken the play and can see something else develop, after the spins and jukes, he keeps his eyes upfield and reserves the option to run the football. It's always an option for him. 
especially when he has created massive pockets and lanes to shoot through. Linebackers have to stay home and stay spaced to respect the run option. Secondly, all of this time purchased sweetly gifts Wilson's wide receivers the chance to run ragged anyone trying to chase them. Certainly, they've broken free by now, so Russ has two easy options to move the football. Sprint for 10 yards or throw to an open receiver downfield. I think we will see this year that the Colts have upgraded their pass rush. I expect Taekwon Lewis, Kamoko Ture, Ben Banigou, Quidipay, and Al-Qadin Muhammad all to play a role in this upgrade, and maybe we see hints of it Sunday. But these guys aren't catching Russ, and that's not a foot race you want to line up for anyway. The best way to bother Russ is to compress the pocket. I'm not even worried about sacks. Just compress, squeeze like a boa constrictor. Don't bite. Compress. Trapping Russ in close to his offensive line is the best chance to force him into errant throws. Russell Wilson is a smaller guy under six foot tall. When he has skipped out of the pocket, he's able to see the whole field. He's a musician with every instrument primed and ready. Four or five years ago, when the New Orleans Saints offense was humming and Drew Brees was throwing for 5,000 yards a clip, Brees would take the snap and nearly sprint backward out of sight. It was only a seven-step drop, but the strides were wide and aggressive, and he created so much distance from himself and the offensive line that there seemed to be no use for forming a U-shaped pocket. It was unnecessary. Although listed as an inch taller than Russell Wilson, Drew Brees was still considered a smaller quarterback. By shooting back like a cannon, Brees was designing a different, more wide-open view of the field. And by getting in position so quickly and so aggressively, Brees was prepared to throw to receivers as they got into their breaks while seeing the whole play unfold clearly. Russell Wilson has a fancier way of drawing the same clear picture. Instead of racing back to see over the offensive line, Russ moves out jives and dances. If the Colts are resolved to chase after him, they'll never catch him, and they'll tire themselves in the process. Instead, they must keep him in the pocket and behind those big linemen, forcing him to throw over their heads. I'm convinced that this is the only way to defend Russell Wilson. There's another part of the Seahawks offense that the Colts really don't have control over but can surely reap a reward. Early in the offseason, you may have forgotten this, but there was real drama among the Seahawks. Reportedly, Russ and head coach Pete Carroll weren't getting along, and Russ wanted to be traded. He even offered a list of teams he'd like to play for. Remember that? It seems like two years ago now, but it really wasn't all that long ago. The problem was, and possibly still is, that the two don't agree on the offensive scheme. Carroll is a defensive-minded coach. He wants to run the ball and play great defense. I'm not sure if the Seahawks roster has changed over the past few days, but they initially kept five running backs and only four wide receivers. Only four receivers on the whole team. The Colts, who claimed to be a run-first team, kept only four running backs and seven, seven wide receivers. It's no secret that Pete Carroll still wants the offense to be run-centric. On the other hand, Russ wants to cook. 
He came out of the gates last year, setting the league ablaze. Wilson threw for 14 touchdowns over his first three games and finished the season with a whopping 40. He's equipped with one of the best wide receiver tandems in the league, and he's proven he's able to lead an aerial assault. Hopefully, once the football is kicked off Sunday, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll renew their tension and remember their bristle differences. I don't know how the Colts can encourage this, but if there is friction, let's hope Pete wins. The Colts have, at least for the past five years, been really good at defending the run. I like Seahawks running back Chris Carson and wish the best for him, but putting the ball in his hands takes the ball away from Russ. Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner will be happy to wrestle down Carson for losses. Again, I'm not sure how the Colts can script this narrative or what kind of voodoo it would require, but it's worth looking into. The first key to victory was to compress the pocket. 1B was to hope Carol and Russ renew their friction. The second key to victory is trust Taylor. Trust Jonathan Taylor. It is never a bad idea to put the ball into the hands of the best athlete on the field. Right now, Thursday, Carson Wentz is set to start for the Colts. That's good news, but he has had very limited work this offseason. And now the preseason has ended, the starting offense usually doesn't match up often with the starting defense in practice, so Carson is throwing against the scout team. Even so, it's good that he's getting reps and getting comfortable in the offense and with his new receivers. That's really great. But let's not expect too much of this guy early on. I've said this before on this podcast that I expect 2021 Carson Wentz to resemble 2018 Andrew Luck. If you remember, Andrew did not start that season off smoking. He was throwing careful, short passes. It was a very conservative offense for the first few weeks. Although that plan didn't produce many wins, I thought it was necessary to rebuild Luck's confidence. I expect the same this season with Carson. It's going to take some time for him to feel comfortable, to rebuild himself, to remind himself that he's done this before and he is still capable even though there are new faces and new colors all around him. Unlike 2018 Andrew Luck, Carson Wentz has a supremely athletic running back in Jonathan Taylor as well as a much more established Naeem Hines. And of course, there is old steady Jack Doyle. Frank Reich will still find ways to shove in his innovative plays that find Paris Campbell open in space and Michael Strawn reaching above the cornerbacks, but mostly, I think we will see Carson Wentz leading a conservative attack. Consistently, this team has stated that Wentz doesn't need to play hero ball. That is not the expectation nor would I want to put him in that situation. Whether Carson gets the start or if Jacob Eason has to make his NFL debut Sunday, the Colts will be opening the season with yet another quarterback. The Colts haven't had the same quarterback start consecutive seasons since Andrew Luck in 2015 and 2016. It's quite the opposite for the Seahawks. Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll have been together since Andrew Luck was drafted in 2012. Even if there is friction on that side of the field, there is a comfort level that the Colts just cannot comprehend. 
They just don't have that luxury. It would be unwise to try to outduel the Seahawks. Instead, the Colts should flip the script. Slow the game, possess the ball, allow the crowd to work, and trust its playmakers like Jonathan Taylor. The final key to victory Sunday is for the Colts to take calculated shots. I stand by what I said, that the Colts need to play it safe and slow the game, but doing so should draw in the defense. Seahawks safety, Jamal Adams, already plays more at the line of scrimmage. On the outside, Seahawks cornerbacks are better known for their names and not so much for their success on the field. In fact, they were often seen toasted last season. DJ Reed was okay, but opposite corner Trey Flowers struggled mightily and tallied a PFF grade of 54.4 last season. The Seattle Seahawks were a bad passing defense. They gave up the second most passing yards of any team in 2020. So there should be opportunities Sunday to take some calculated deep shots. In 2018, Frank Reich would call run after run after run. Then he would call a max protect where eight guys formed a wall buying time for two receivers to sprint downfield. Given the well-furnished barrier of blockers, Andrew had ample time to draw back and find T.Y. Hilton who had gotten past the defenders. T.Y. won't be available Sunday, neither will Luck for that matter, but I expect to see a similar play set up by a run-first offense. Of course, when the Colts take these shots downfield, they have to hit on them. Now will it be the speedy Paris Campbell or the more trusted Zach Paschal? No matter who is throwing or catching for the Colts, these calculated shots will be the difference in the game. They'll push back the defenders and open up the run. A pass chunk play could make room for equal gains on the ground. You can't match Russ through the air, but you don't have to. You just have to punch at the right time to knock down the defense and roar that home crowd. And that's it. Those are my 3.5 keys to victory. If the Colts can compress Russell Wilson and make him throw from the pocket, trust Jonathan Taylor to establish the run, and take calculated high percentage shots downfield, they have a real chance of winning this thing. And if Russ and Pete start fighting on the sidelines, well, that won't hurt either. <laughs> I want so badly to call it a Colts win, and I could certainly see it happening, but I'll call it the other way to continue a sad streak of season-opening losses. Carson Wentz gets a slow start at rebuilding his career, but I do think we see some subtle signs of something special. I'll say 28-24 Seahawks. I hope I'm wrong. Either way, enjoy the game. Come back next week and let's recap. Talk to you then. This was a presentation of the Blue Notes podcast. I am Benjamin Taylor. Thank you for listening.